I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome on in to the Made for March podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard coming at you on this Thursday, May 6th. We can officially sleep now, Tim. I don't know if uh, you can set that alarm for June officially, but this is the off-season edition of the Made for March podcast. We're going to be doing a lot of transfer portal stuff today, including our early impressions of the wild, wild west in college basketball right now. So Thursday, May 6th. Check us out on Twitter at Made the Number 4 March. Also, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well. We'll do some some winners and losers of what we've seen from the transfer portal so far and just the, the general impressions, a couple of coaching things too that we might hit on as well. But Tim, I don't know about you, but I love this. I love the constant action of the transfer portal. Those first couple of days it felt like there was a new guy on a new team pretty much every single time you, you checked your phone and refreshed Twitter, but it's starting to slow down a little bit now. The The dust is starting to settle, but there's still plenty of really good prospects out there, and I'd expect a number of changes as well, and of course, the NBA draft and NBA draft combine is going to dictate a little bit of what the future looks like for college basketball, but overall, I am a fan of freedom of movement, I think. Most people under the age of 40 are fans of freedom of movement. Um, but once you get over 40, uh, that's where things start to get a little dicey. Yeah, then it gets controversial for some. I'm all for it. I think the content standpoint of it is great. It makes college basketball a little more appealing in more of a year-round sport. There's more drama to it. The only hesitation, the only thing that I'm kind of bummed or I'm kind of keen to see how it affects is the mid-major ranks, really. That's the only downside, I feel like. And you can make a case that mid-major teams will be fine because, honestly, it makes them probably more likely to get a three-star recruit or get a recruit that maybe is in the 200 to 300 range on each class's individual rankings because... In general, if you're a Syracuse or if you're a Villanova or a Marquette or a program like that, you're probably not going to bother with some developmental project because you know that if you bring in a kid and they're not playing, they're probably going to want to jump ship at this point and just go to somewhere where they are playing. So maybe it in turn might help the mid-majors a little, but I am worried that mid-majors is going to be tough for them to keep their star players as a whole. It'll be tough for them to keep the star. I think you're right in, in that regard. But I also think it allows them to get the guy who's going to transfer down. Maybe things didn't work out at stop number one. Maybe it was a little overambitious to try to play at the high major rank. And then you get the guy who transfers down. I, I think they'll still be fine. And you'll just have guys that maybe... We're averaging five, six points per game, two rebounds a game, whatever, yeah. at the, the high major rank. But then they go down a level, and then they can go to, to averaging 15, 16 points per game and 10 rebounds or whatever. I think what we're going to see is there's still going to be a mid-major team or two each year that makes the Sweet 16, the Oral Roberts, the Loyola Chicago from this past year, because in general, guys have breakout years that no one sees coming all the time. And good coaching will still develop players. I think we'll still see that at the mid-major ranks. 
the problem is, or the area where I think it's going to affect mid-major play the most is sustainability of developing some power at the mid-major ranks or just those classic teams that we see. Like I look at St. Bonaventure, they're the exception going into next year where everyone is coming back. And that used to be a pretty common thing. Like you'd get a mid-major. Richmond was this way going into this past year and didn't really work out for a number of reasons. But you see a team that returns five starters. And when you're looking at the 5-12 matchup on March Madness, it's that veteran group that we've all, they've learned their system together and that's the appeal to why they will upset. I think there might be less of that, but there will still be good talent all across college basketball and there will still be mid-majors that will play spoiler. I'm not really worried about that too much. No, no neither am I. And and as long as you've got, I mean, there, there's still going to be multi-bid mid-major leagues. I think th- this might help, maybe not the sustainability, but the the tournament presence for some of these mid-majors. I, I think next year's NCAA tournament, you're going to be pointing at a lot of guys and be like, oh, that guy used to play at Washington State. That guy used to play at Oregon. That guy used to play at Syria. Like, there's going to be a ton of that in next year's tournament where, oh, that, that guy's played in the NCAA tournament at a high level for a high-level team, and now he's just trying to be the guy at a different spot. So... I still think there's still going to be plenty of staying power with the mid-majors in the NCAA tournament. Let's get into some of the, the winners and losers here. I've got some players, I've got some coaches, I've got some some concepts and ideas, but what what do you, what, give us your first, who is the, the winner, uh, one of your winners for the transfer portal so far? So I'm going to shout out winner Eric Musselman, and really Arkansas. That was but, one of mine, yep. Yeah, it's just, he's done it again. He feasts in the transfer portal. He's a killer in the transfer portal, and he's going to thrive in this era in college basketball, and he's starting it by adding Chris Likes from Miami, which there are some concerns about his health, and I think he's a great electric playmaker when he is healthy, but definitely a good add overall. Adis Tony, another ACC transfer from Pittsburgh. Stanley Umad from South Dakota who comes over. He was a huge production guy at South Dakota, 22 points per game. That's what Arkansas is bringing. They lose Moses Moody, which we all knew because he had a lot of NBA potential, but I saw Jeff Goodman released a way too early updated top 25 today. He had Arkansas number six in the country, and really, as a whole, I just think the SEC is a big winner from this transfer portal. That was mine. Yeah. I was, yeah, you kind of stole it right there for me, but yeah, (laughs) I I had the SEC because you look at all of these different players that are moving i mean you just look at any ranking system of guys that have transferred of the top transfer pickups walker kessler's the number one guy i think on pretty much everyone's board he's going to auburn uh you got guys like garrison brooks going to mississippi state um adam miller's headed to lsu liam roberts is going to vander liam robbins is going to vanderbilt yeah i mean like top to bottom you just see all of these different guys and they're all going to sec schools marion jones headed to florida uh, Kellen Grady going to Kentucky, Oscar Shibway, Kentucky. The SEC could be, once again, one of the, the finer conferences in college basketball because they are getting a lot of these transfers coming in. And not just that, but it doesn't feel like they have a whole heck of a lot leaving. And what is leaving are is guys to go to the NBA, not necessarily guys going to other schools. Or other SEC schools, like a Justin Powell right. who goes, I think there's been yep. a lot of... 
SEC incest, I guess you could call it, or just guys <laughs> leaving to go to another school. But, you know, I do think it's a larger theme in college basketball where when I think of the SEC, I think of a couple things. I mean, you think football, of course, but you also think destination schools, great climates, fun places to go visit, go hang out, go be a student at. And then I think player coaches, really, like Eric Musselman, former NBA coach, uh, Nate Oates, former NBA, or not a former NBA coach, but a guy who's coaching an NBA style of system, and he's a player coach, and he's letting his guys develop into NBA players. There's no restrictions on their game. He's a new school coach. Bruce Pearl, he cares a lot about getting those highly talented, high pedigree guys like a Sharif Cooper, developing them for the NBA. Rick Barnes cares about developing players. I just think there's a lot of guys and a lot of appeal to this new generation in the SEC. Because let's face it. It's not just Calipari anymore. Yeah, right. And Calipari, I didn't even mention. Like, there's so many. I could continue and go down. Like, Jerry Stackhouse, former NBA player. Right. There's a lot of appeal there to the SEC. I really think the SEC is on the rise in basketball. Because this new generation of players, they are focused on how can I get to the league? And they're focused on basically going to a coach that they know is going to give them the tools to get to the league and the playing time to get to the league and going to a young coach that, you know, you hear the Alabama players talk about how they can talk about like their girlfriend with Nate Oates. And that's different than maybe what the old school coaches are bringing. And also if you're transferring out of a program and you're picking a new destination, I think a lot of these kids and even the first time when they pick them, they are concerned about the weather, the climate, the appeal of the destination, and the SEC checks both those boxes now. We got to get on in on this early. Let's just can we timestamp this right now on on this May sixth at about one o'clock Eastern time? The SEC yeah. is going to be the best conference in college basketball next year. Let's just get ahead of this right now because it really could be. When you look at all the talent that's coming in and they're pickpocketing, like I look at a guy like Adam Miller. He was going to be one of the better players in the Big Ten next season. Could contend for an all-Big Ten spot. Walker Kessler could have contended for an all-ACC spot. They're bringing in guys that are going to make impacts right away. And this this very well could be the best conference in college basketball heading into next year. Yeah, Alabama's going to be good. They're another one of my winners, Alabama. I think Alabama, Arkansas, LSU have done a great job. Florida has basically traded their entire team, but they're going to be fun, and I think they're on the rise as well. When you look at Alabama, they get Burnett from Texas Tech. They get Noah Gurley from Furman, and they're one of just three teams right now in the country, three power conference teams in the country that has not had a single player enter the transfer portal, which says a lot about their appeal. The other two, by the way, UCLA and Michigan, I think are also winners just from that simple fact right there. And UCLA added Miles Johnson as well from Rutgers. So Mm -hmm. it's been a good transfer portal for the SEC as a whole. I think they brought in more players than maybe any other conference when you just look at the sheer volume, but also the quality of players they're getting is very good as well. One thing that I want to hit on with Musselman is you bring up the, like the NBA stuff, and, and he is a failed NBA coach. Like there, there's no way around it. He didn't have a lot of staying power. I get he was on assistant coach benches and, and maybe had a little more success there, but he was a failed NBA coach. I don't think he ever had a season above 500. But he has embraced the new model of college basketball because the newer model of college basketball 
is much closer to the NBA than it was five, even three years ago. And for me, I see that. And you know what? I'm going to pin a winner on Indiana because their hire of Mike Woodson. Great call. And and, and listen, Mike Woodson was not a great NBA coach as a head coach, but he knows the NBA model. He's brought in a couple guys. I look at like Xavier Johnson he brought in, and then he's getting guys like Christian Lander to stay. To me – That's why I'm optimistic for why this can be a great hire for Indiana. Woodson, not a great X's and O's guy, but he understands the NBA life, the NBA model. And if you can do that, I think that sets you up for success at the college level in today's game. Look at Musselman and what he's done, and I think it's going to translate with Woodson as well. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Mike Woodson because I was critical of the hire initially and he continues to just basically shove it to the naysayers right now. And there was a great article in The Athletic on how he sold Trace Jackson Davis to come back, which I thought was surprising Mm -hmm. given his NBA potential. And basically in the article, it talked about how he brought Trace Jackson Davis in on a one-on-one meeting with his dad. And he pulled up, he edited a highlight tape together. I think probably an intern did it, but <laughs> he pulled up the highlight to tape the managers. for him. Yeah, and it wasn't a highlight tape. It was just all bad plays from Trace Jackson Davis. It was him showcasing his weaknesses and why he couldn't really step outside and shoot. And basically what, it, he, what he was doing was showing, this is what you have to do to get to the NBA. And this is what we can work on with you. And this is what we can improve so that when you come back and you improve these things, then you'll be better and more suited for the NBA. And that was a risky strategy because maybe a kid could have taken that the wrong way and been like, what the heck? I'm, I'm out of here. But Trace Jackson Davis bought in in that meeting. The athletic article says that he walked outside with his dad for five minutes. They discussed it. He walked back in. He was like, I'm all in, coach. You know the NBA. You know how to get me there. And again, it's like the SEC stuff. That's what kids care about right now. And that's what's winning. Jawan Howard, same thing. Former NBA assistant, former NBA player. That is all the craze right now. It's going to continue to stay that way. Yeah, and Jerry Stackhouse is just like, what the hell? Like, Why isn't this working for me? (laughs) And he's probably like the best player out of all of them, too. But that's beside the point. Like Chris Mullen, what the hell? Like um, Patrick Ewing. I guess Patrick Ewing... uh, I think Georgetown could be a little bit better and they could maybe be on the rise. But yeah, you want these coaches and with some of these NBA pedigrees because they understand it, they get it, and they'll acclimate to it. And I think the problem with a guy like Pat Ewing is the fact that he was so good. Like he's a Hall of Famer and maybe he's not the greatest of coaches, but it's it's one of those things where you look at guys like Jawan, uh, you look at guys like Mike Woodson and Eric Musselman. Like it, it, it clearly th- those other guys who are failing seem to be the outliers, not the norms right now. Yeah, and I look at not to make it too local. I know we joke about this on the podcast a lot, but a Syracuse example, Quincy Garrier. Right now, we don't know if he's going to stay in college or not, but he put his name in the transfer portal, and he's also in the NBA draft testing waters phase as well. And I think about it, and at first it surprised me that, okay, if he's coming back to college, why wouldn't he go back to Syracuse? He was an all-ACC player. He's definitely going to start. He'd get a bulk of scoring. But then there was some reporting yeah, on it. 35 minutes a night. Yeah, like it's <laughs> you know you're going to play under Jim Beheim, and you know he was going to be a huge part of their offense and their whole team next year. But then there's some reporting on it, and 
Syracuse was going to take his strengths and just maximize those. He was going to be an interior scorer for Syracuse, and he was going to continue to get better at the things that he's basically already good at. Whereas I see Alabama has interest in him. I don't know if he's going there. I don't think he's really made a list of any sort. And again, he's still testing the waters. But take Alabama, for example. He could go there and he could improve his three-point shot, which I'm sure when he went through the testing waters phase, which he's in right now, I'm sure all the scouts have told him, hey, Quincy, we like you as an athlete. We think you got great rebounding. But honestly, you need to get more of a three-point shot before you're able to be drafted. And now he's going to wisely pick somewhere where he can explore that three-point shot. I'm not saying he couldn't do it at Syracuse. He did it a fair bit last year. But why not go somewhere where you know you can do that? And also, if you go to Alabama, that's just a team that probably has a better roster You don't makeup. have a choice. Yeah, you're going yeah. to get berated <laughs> if you shoot anything inside. Right. So I don't know. It's That's another old school versus new school example. And these new school coaches, a lot of them are in the SEC. And I think Musselman and Oates in particular, if they stay, which by all accounts, they're getting big contract ascensions, all that, don't seem like they're leaving. Alabama and Arkansas are going to be perennially top 25 schools, I would say. What's the first thing Jim Beheim knocks over in his office if he sees Quincy's going to Alabama? What's the first <laughs> thing that's coming down? Uh, is the desk getting flipped? Is a, a trophy coming off the wall? Is there a ball being hurled? I'm trying to think of what it would be. Maybe it's like a, a photo of Eric Devendorf standing up on the scorer's table or something. Like, what, what's he got in his office is the question. What What is the memorabilia that he like actually prides over he's probably got like a photo of him and his wife at the kentucky derby where they met or something i don't know what gets knocked over but something is getting knocked over if that the happens. canadian flag's getting ripped off the wall that's what <laughs> right. that, that's what it'll be yeah that's um, a good you gotta what, what's your next winner oh um so i mentioned uh alabama i would say baylor like a semi-winner just because of james akinjo i just wanted to shout that out he comes over from Arizona. Now, it's worth noting he has to get a waiver pass because he went Georgetown to Arizona to Baylor. But I would expect he will get a waiver considering the coaching change at Arizona prompted his decision. And same thing for Mac McClung, who I guess there's reports he might stay at Texas Tech anyways, but another Georgetown guy who would be on his second transfer now. I just think Baylor... You know, they lose Tristan Clark to SMU, but he didn't play a ton for them this past year. They're going to have enough there next year to warrant a preseason top 15, top 10 team. When you think of Matthew Meyer, Adam Flagler, uh, Chumwa Chachua's back. Akinjo will, if he's going to be able to get that waiver cleared, I think he's a scorer right away. So he's an intriguing piece they added and they probably needed to add someone, and that's about as good as you could get for adding someone if he does get that waiver passed. Yeah, I, I mean, Baylor's just going to stay steady, it feels like. I, right. Scott Drew is someone who you want navigating your program through through a, a period of change in college basketball. Uh, one of my other winners, I'm going to go with uh, Tipton Edits. Shout out Tipton Edits, yeah, because usually call. this is a, a dry <laughs> period for them, but maybe a couple like top fives, top eights for some recruits, but... No, Tipton Edits gets to to put out all these new graphics now, so I think that is that's good for them. Um, I, I don't even know. Like, is Tipton a person? Is Tipton like a family? Is it a collective? Who knows? I, I have no idea. But, verbal um, commits also. That's a winner too. Verbal commits another everywhere. winner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're keeping busy throughout this 
transfer portal period. And, and I got to say, like, the, the stuff that they do is unbelievable, whether it's the videos, whether it's the um whether it's the the graphics all that stuff yeah what do you think do you think it is a single dude like just tipped in if it is that is he's working like 80 hours a week or he or she like that is a lot of work if it's one person uh i would like to think it's more than one person just based on us even talking about them right now like if you if you are getting that much exposure then by all means kind of segregate the work a little bit but yeah I, I do think it's impressive what they're doing what what do you think their cut is <laughs> to do all this <laughs> that there, i have no, no idea for free right like um, what, what, what do you charge if you're if you're tipton the tipton overlord so it might have started as a free thing but now you would think they but have enough the exposure. Dude. it's like yeah. it's like the 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 cassie athena photo like the um i think that's a person i think the person is cassie athena but her uh her photos used to i I think be like you just saw them and then she has the watermark now on like every big nba players photos that they post um but yeah there's got to be some sort of cut i don't know what would you charge i'm trying to think of what what like the going rate is i'd love to know that see that is one of those things that you just have no idea because if you're a recruit and Tipton Edits was like, yeah, that'll be $1,000. Like, they'd probably just say yes. But if you were like, that'll be $20, <laughs> like, I don't think they'd bat an eye to either one. No one just, there's not a lot of competition there, right? I mean, I guess there is right. competition now, He's, but it's a weird sector. They, they've tried to corner the market, and it's like, they, they are the Kleenex where, like, when you get an edit, it's like a Tipton edit. Like, Kleenex are technically tissues, but everyone... Even if it's like an off-brand, they, they still call it a Kleenex. So I, I feel like, yeah, that's that's the the way that Tipton Edits is moving right now. Um, yeah. What do you have next? Um, I want to shout out Maryland as another winner. I'm not, like, maybe as high as some other people are. I see them now preseason top 10. But for those that don't know, in the transfer portal, they added Kudus Wahab. And you mentioned Patrick Ewan in Georgetown earlier. I was surprised that Wahab left. That felt like kind of Patrick Ewing's baby and and someone that he has really done a nice job of developing so far, and he was going to get playing time, but he leaves. Fats Russell also goes from Rhode Island to Maryland, who he's always been a fun guy that I was kind of waiting for him to get to a bigger team, so now we'll get to see him in a bigger role. I'm a little torn on how good he'll be, honestly. His three-point shooting weirdly dipped a ton this past year. He was like mid-30s three-point range now, this past year, he shot at 23% for Rhode Island from three. So we'll see if that was just an aberration. They also lost Daryl Morsell. I think he's in the portal right now. I don't think he's picked a school. So it wasn't like a total success. But again, Maryland has some steam here. They seem to always have steam going into a regular season. And they have, I think they won the big time regular season not that long ago, like a couple years ago. But in general... I feel like Mark Turgeon's kind of due to pay that off and stay at the top 10 in the AP poll a little bit more frequently or top 15, top 20. So I'll be interested to watch them next year. I think they got a lot more fun with the Wahab and Russell, though. I agree. I mean, they, they feel like they're a, a team that is going to turn it around. Like, they, they've been steady the past couple of years, and now, mm-hmm. yeah, they finally have that big that they were missing this past season. And, and Wahab's a, a beast. Like, like, a big reason why Georgetown won the biggies. Cutest Wahab. I mean, he, yeah. he was phenomenal, and he, he really changed a lot of those games in the biggies tournament. Um, do you have any other winners before we get into some of the losers? 
Um, well, we mentioned Indiana. That was on my list. Kentucky, I think, did a nice job of just adding shooting. That's really what they missed last year. Kellen Grady comes over from Davidson. They pick up C.J. Frederick from Iowa. Yeah, that was like yesterday or two days yeah. ago. Um, I think that was yesterday as of us recording this. And then, you know, Oscar Shibway wasn't really in the transfer portal, but he is coming over as well from West Virginia. So they've done a nice job of replenishing talent. I think they just had to recruit, decommit, but overall they're going to be much better next year, I would anticipate. Texas has lost a lot, but we've talked about them. I had them as a winner, and just because of what Chris Beard has done, adding some nice recruits. But no, I think that's pretty much it. And then I want to shout out Loyola, Chicago. Similar vein to St. Bonaventure, they just got people to come back, and I think that's impressive considering the coaching change and how the mid-major ranks might have a tough time kind of getting people to come back nowadays with this transfer portal. Yeah, shout out to Drew Valentine. It feels like he hasn't done a lot, but by not doing a lot, it feels like he's done a lot. Yeah. If that makes sense to you. <laughs> like, it, it's kind of like, if you are have a, a quiet off season this year, it's probably a good thing. Like Michigan, quiet off season. Kind of a good thing for them. That, that's that been a, a quiet off season. So I think, yeah, with, with Drew Valentine and, and especially as a mid-major when you've got all those guys uh, and you're you're going through a, a big, big, big coaching change like that, yeah, that, that's a, a huge win for, for that program. So I no doubt agree. All right, who do you have as your first loser? So similar to the SEC, I just think the Big East is a loser so far in this transfer portal process. And when I've combed through what they've lost versus what they've gained, there's no way to really quantify it, but I just feel like they haven't added more talent than they've lost so far. And a lot of guys have left the Big East to go to bigger and better schools. And honestly, they just haven't been super active, a lot of the schools in the Big East. Like Villanova, they didn't really lose anyone. They lost Cole Swider. They didn't add anyone, though. And you feel like a school like Villanova probably could, but I guess they just are bringing back enough of their rotation they don't need to. So maybe that's a bad example. Seton Hall has been like the one exception where they went out and got Kadari Richmond from Syracuse and they've kind of done a good amount of roster overhaul and moving things around. But in general, I just feel like the SEC has been super active and the Big East has not been very active in the transfer portal. Yeah, I'll match you on a conference here. I'm going to go with the Pac-12. I mean, you look at some of the top guys that have left. Timmy Allen, he's on his way to to Texas, Akinjo, who we mentioned earlier, he's going from Arizona to Baylor, and uh, Timmy Allen going from Utah to Texas, uh, Alfonso Plummer going from Utah to Illinois. So there's just a lot of traffic out, a lot of high-quality players that are leaving the Pac-12 as well. And not just that, but it feels like they haven't been landing some of the, the top guys. I think Miles Johnson's a good ad for UCLA, but you're bolstering a team that was already uh, a team that people, some think, are going to be the preseason number one overall, potentially, if Johnny Juzang comes back. So if they get better and, and the rest of the conference is getting worse, then I, I don't know how good that is for the Pac-12, but um, it's always good when UCLA is good. I mean, it's kind of like when, when the Lakers and the Bulls and the Knicks are good in the NBA. Like, it's just good for the league. The Celtics will throw into that conversation as well. It's good for the league when that stuff happens, and, and yeah. it's good for college basketball when UCLA is good. But we could see a really dominant UCLA because the rest of the conference just kind of feels depleted. Yeah, UCLA is getting some preseason number one love on some sites and stuff, which, I mean, I guess I see it because they did bring everyone back and added Miles Johnson. But they, you're right. It's that's all a good Juzang point. contingent. It's yeah. all Juzang contingent. And he could 
Right. That's still up for, I think Hawkeyes is also, I think, still testing the waters as it stands right now. So all this stuff leave, is still right? in flux. He What'd you say? Leave. I don't think he can leave, right? No, I, I think he'd come back. But Johnny Juzang, I feel like, will leave, if I were to guess. Yeah, I'm leaning um, on Juzang leaving as yeah. well. Then again, I, I know nothing. <laughs> it's not like we, yeah. we have him on speed dial or something, but that's yeah. just us sort of gauging where he's at on NBA draft boards, it seems like. A couple of Big Ten schools that I think are losers. Iowa lost C.J. Frederick, like I mentioned. Jack Nungy goes to Xavier. Just didn't feel like they really did a whole lot, or, or they probably got worse in this offseason. And then Rutgers, kind of weirdly, I, I thought they'd have sort of a good culture and wouldn't lose a ton, but... It just goes to show you no one's immune to this. And they've had five guys enter the portal. Mentioned Miles Johnson. Montez Mathis goes to St. John's. Jacob Young is back in the portal. He was originally a Texas transfer. He has not decided, so maybe he comes back. And I will say they did add Andre Hyatt from LSU to replenish that. But basically, they lost five and added one guy from LSU. So I think Rutgers, while they were trending up as a program, might take a step back next year, which is kind of disappointing because I've always liked... Steve Peichel and Rutgers, and I think they are a fun team to watch, but it's going to come down to Ron Harper Jr. a lot next year, it looks like. It's going to be interesting to see which coaches, especially the ones that, like Peichel, who are kind of the up-and-comers, but who are the ones that can adjust on the fly and flip on a dime and reload that program so you're not going through a a long rebuild and and going through another two, three-year process because who knows? You never know. You might not be around. Or in the case of a guy like Peichel, if you're really trying to climb the ladder, Rutgers was probably a a stop along the way to get to a a good SEC job or a low-level ACC job or something like that. And so it's going to be what can he do now to show that he can still keep up with the big boys, even though he's losing some of his guys. I think another loser out of the the Big Ten, Illinois. I mean, losing Adam Miller, that is... Surprising. That was surprising to me, especially now that this team's going to be without Io, without Kofi for next season. Like, Brad Underwood's got his work cut out for him, and I know he brought in Alfonso Plummer and, and Omar Payne, but, I mean, come on. Like, you need to be able to to continue to keep some of these bigger names like Adam Miller. And again, this was a guy who started a number of games last year for Illinois. He played a big role and his role was going to explode this year. And to not have him on the roster, I mean, that is one of the more impactful moves. Like we can look across the board at some of these players that are leaving, like some of the top 10 guys in the the transfer portal, like Walker Kessler leaving North Carolina. Yeah, not ideal for North Carolina, but... North Carolina, perennially great at at recruiting bigs. I don't think that's that's too big of a of a blow for them. And then like some of these other guys, it's it, the impact that they have on their team. I think Liam Robbins is another big one. Him leaving Minnesota, yeah. but but that's also a, a coaching change there. But you look at Adam Miller, like that's a guy who should be there, who should be your star next year. One two punch of him and Andre Curbelo, and now he's gone. He's going to LSU. I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah. got to be so frustrating for, for Brad Underwood because that's a guy who should be staying. And and it may sound like I'm the old man in the room right now and saying and bemoaning the, the transfer portal. No, I love the transfer portal. And Adam Miller obviously had the freedom to do that. It's just frustrating from a, from a Brad Underwood's standpoint. It's like, hey, I'm going to have this one-two punch, and who knows, maybe I bring Kofi back too. 
and we could be, once again, one of the top teams in the country. But now, I mean, Illinois, they went from being potentially uh, the Big Ten champs again to who knows what's going to happen with them. It's going to depend a lot on some of the new players coming in. I really think that's the most surprising transfer portal decision so far. Right. Adam Miller the, the leaving. The surprise and impact factors yeah. combined. That, that, to me, it takes the cake. Because, like, you bring up Walker Kessler, a little surprised because anyone leaving UNC is kind of surprising, right? But right. he wants especially to shoot threes. After, yeah, especially yeah. after the exit. Like, what, is Baycott leaving, I think? And, and Dayron Sharp, I know, is leaving. So with some of the guys that were on the way out, you'd expect Kessler, okay, I'm going to be a sophomore. Garrison Brooks leaving, too. Yeah. Um. Baycott's like, okay, TBD, I'm- but the rest are on their way out. So he would have had room to play next year, for sure. Right, no doubt. Especially when, when there were four guys last year, and, and now it's it's dwindled down a little bit to two plus any freshman that may be coming in. Yeah, so that one was surprising, but it's kind of the same thing I brought up with Quincy Guerrier. I know Walker Kessler just wants to showcase his three-point shot more, and that's been written and talked about a lot. Same thing with Qu- So I could you could make a case for why it happened. And also, frankly, Walker Kessler you can make a strong case, was underplayed last year under Roy Williams. Yeah. It just was not given enough minutes, given how often he was an impact player when he was on the court compared to how often he was on the bench. But Adam Miller played a lot, was going to get even more sort of reigns next year, you would imagine, and is on an up-and-coming program that was a one-seed last year now, I'm not saying they were going to be a one seed next year if he came back, but it is just a puzzling one. I I don't really know what the case is for why Miller left, and maybe someone that's a little closer to the Illinois program would know, but to me, that was the one where it's like, okay, he checks a lot of boxes in terms of he's going to get playing time, he's going to get to work on all facets of his game, he's going to get NBA exposure, he's going to get to play for a good program that's on the rise. It just, it was sort of weird that he went to LSU, but again, Will Wade, LSU, like those coaches are, are starting something that goes into our SEC theory. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, another one of my my losers that I've got here is uh, a Dickie V. I mean, he's not going to know <laughs> who the hell is playing for who next season. I mean, not that he not that he really cared about the players that much heading into it, but talk about someone who's been absolutely floored by the way that there's traffic in the transfer portal right now. Yeah. I mean, Dickie V might be going in the transfer portal. Who knows? It might suck him up next. But he 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 has been so vocal about this on Twitter. Not enough Pepto-Bismol is going to be able to help <laughs> him navigate through this offseason of college basketball. So Dickie V, another one of my losers. Definitely. That's a, that's a good call there. He, he, when you brought up the over than 40 crowd comment earlier, that was the guy I thought of. I think the loyalty behind it and sort of going away from it, which maybe he's onto something there a little bit, but in general, I'm, I'm pro player movement. Like we talked about earlier and he's probably getting a little too wrapped up in it, but yeah, that's going to be tough for him to digest the news. I would say a couple other losers for me, predictable losers because there were coaching changes here, but Texas tech has just seen like their whole team go, um, they had Kyler Edwards go to Houston, which Houston's done a nice job again in the transfer portal. Burnett, I mentioned, goes to Alabama. Micah Peavy, TCU. A lot of good players leaving to good schools, which is concerning. Mac McClung still TBD, but looks like he might come back to Texas Tech, and they'll really need him. And then another coaching change influenced one 
Boston College has lost a lot, which makes sense. I mean, they have added some pieces. T.J. Bickerstaff from Drexel, Brevin Galloway from Charleston. They got a seven-foot center and Quentin Post from Mississippi State, who didn't really play that much. But C.J. Felder goes to Florida. Jay Heat to Arizona State. A lot of guys left BC. Yeah, that and the coaching change is is kind of different. But yeah, it's it's certainly tough and. When you're rebuilding a program like BC, where there's already not a whole lot of buzz or intrigue, it's tough to to do that. Uh, I'm going to go with another one here, another little unorthodox one. Adidas. Adidas losing big time. Um, when you look at, I've got this list right here from CBS Sports of the top transfers in college basketball and where they're going. Um, I'm, I'm through 50 guys and I've counted five guys that are transferring to Adidas schools. And that is by far and away the lowest of anyone. And who knows, maybe this is secretly Adidas w- with a win here because they these guys are like Adidas maybe wants to fly a little under the radar. They're feeling like a little like this is them self-imposing a, a postseason ban on themselves right here by by flying low. We're not going to we're not going to go after the big transfers. But then in like a year or two when it's legal to do all that stuff, then then they'll come back to the forefront. But right now. Not a lot of guys going to the Louisville's, the Kansas's, the Indiana. I guess uh, Indiana has like the the biggest impact guy so far. But um, yeah, Adidas flying uh flying pretty far from the sun right now. Unlike uh, some of these Nike and Jordan and and other schools and Under Armour. Yeah, that's really all I had for winners and losers. I did want to shout out Rasir Bolton. Iowa State is headed to Gonzaga. Just thought that was noteworthy. Uh, a couple other things that happened this week, too. Imani Bates decommitting for Michigan State is something that we haven't talked about. It's uh, once again starts the whole college basketball is dead talk, which both you and I are firmly against. And I think we'll always you be know what we should against. do this offseason. We should go through the all the different times people have pronounced the sport dead, because guess what? Did you see the the top? Uh, most watched non football sporting events since 2019? Yeah. One and two. Both came from this year's Final Four. So yeah, where was the it, NBA yeah. in that? I mean, it's it, interesting. It That's where it right. was. It wasn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I didn't see any G League games on there. No uh, J, uh, JBAs, no uh, uh, Australian basketball leagues, no New Zealand breakers or anything. So, yeah, um, college basketball, not dead. And, and Jalen Green, I don't did get you see it, man. Like, I see one a day, not one a day, but I see pretty frequently, it feels like, this new league pop up, and I can't remember all the names now, but the JBAs and and I think people it know feels what I'm like about. all the NFL competitors, like the XFL, the yeah. AA, it, what was it like the AAF, the AFL, the the Arena Football League, uh, the Canadian they've all Football crashed League. and like, burned. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean the Canadian Football League exists because it it's still sure. in, it's in another country, but yeah, no, I I we should go through and and hold a funeral every every episode during the summer for one of the leagues that has just crashed and burned because of the fact that it uh, it just isn't college basketball. And even Jalen Green said, "Hey, if I played in college this year, I'd probably yeah. be the number one pick." But um, yeah, so uh, chalk up another point for for college basketball over the the outsiders. You know, it's I just don't get where's the volume coming from because the G League ignite. I would say year into it. Did they get some good prospects? Yes. Jalen Green, one of them. Kuminga, the others. I don't know the full scale of how many guys they got, but you even see like a kid from China, I think, went that route recently, who was a highly rated guy. But in general, I would say 
I'd give them like a D or a C for the first year. Like, I don't think they exceeded expectations. I think they were a little underwhelmed with the turnout. No, you're going to get like six to eight guys each year. Right. And you'll fill it in, fill in the whole, like six to eight guys that, that matter each year you'll get. And, and yeah, that'll be it. That'll be that. And it's like, what can they do to lure more? I mean, they're already giving them 100K or whatever the contracts are for most of those kids. I just don't see how there's five or six other leagues that have now joined G League Ignite and that similar vein, like overtime comes out and Kevin Ollie's heading that up. And it's like, who are they going to get and how are they going to pay the players? And who, I mean, if you don't have a way for the kids to be able to watch or or them to be able to be shown on TV or on some streaming platform, forget about it. That's the only reason yeah, why like the, the G, G League, League has a chance. Yeah, because they had the the whole ESPN Plus backing, but I, no, I I'm with you. Like it's never gonna die. It's just not. So yeah. stop trying to stop trying to kill it off. It's it's just not gonna happen. Um, but no, yeah, we we should hold a funeral every every week um, until the college basketball season returns and and we look at it and whoa, like. Nine of the nine or eight of the top ten guys in the country are, are still playing college basketball, so right. Um, yeah, it's just going to be one of those things. Like, okay, what happens once name, image, likeness is officially passed, and uh, you can go to UNC and pay the players? And some people will be like, oh, well, like you don't have to go to school, and UNC will be like, well, you don't have to go to school here either. So, it's uh, it's it's going to be one of those things that I don't think is going to kill the sport so yeah i'm not too worried about it you're not too worried about it nobody should be worried about it it's not going anywhere so it's like leonardo DiCaprio, right they're not effing leaving so um (laughs) all right that's gonna do it for us here winners and losers of the transfer portal we will be back next week on the show don't know what we're gonna talk about maybe we'll get into some more transfer portal stuff we'll hold a funeral i think we've programmed that into next week's show um but yeah that that's what we've got on the docket for tim i'm tyler we'll talk to you guys next week the game was over 